0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void word prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Blog Talk Radio.
2: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined with co-host Jonathan Miklos. And again, welcome to the show. Glad everybody could join us tonight, whether it's live or via via upload or archive version. Had a lot of archives listened this past week. Thank you, guys. We had a Thursday night show. Had a lot of listeners to it, actually. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for participating in it. It's a lot of fun tonight. We're going to talk some NBA playoffs. Round one is underway. Yesterday started it all. and we're going to talk how, talk about how good these teams looked, you know, for the first game. And again, it's first, it's one game. Let's not let's not jump to conclusions just yet. I know Cuervo's happy about the Pacers, but uh, still got a long ways to go. We're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk some spring games, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Florida State played yesterday, we'll let Jonathan and Trey talk about that, Trey, I see you in in the queue if you want to impress number one buddy, Trey is a member of this show, has been ever since inception, so glad everybody could join us tonight, Jonathan, did your Florida State Seminoles play yesterday? Nah, we played last week That's right. That's right. You played with Auburn. That's that's what it was. That's that's what it was. I don't I don't know why Florida and Auburn, Florida State and Auburn decided to play the the week of spring break. Yeah, it was kind of. It definitely was uh, odd. Yeah, but we're gonna talk about what does it mean. You know, what do these spring games mean for some of the teams? I did. We'll talk about Tennessee. Georgia looks pretty good. Ohio State broke a national spring game attendance record with over 100,000 people at the game. Man, that's a lot. Well, let's welcome real quick, let's welcome Trey Patterson. Trey, how you doing, buddy? Welcome back. Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Oh, good. What have you been up to?
1: Oh, man, you know, just just at the old grind, man, just keeping it uh, one day at a time. Working yeah you know, like
2: any of that stuff goes, well, I'm glad to hear you're he- back healthy. I know you had some health issues uh not too long ago, but you're back, you recovered, everything good,
1: yeah man uh thanks for thanks for that appreciate it, yeah, I had some stuff going on, but doing well now, man, so uh uh you, you know, know you asked if uh if you doesn't want to watch the spring game, and I didn't hear I didn't hear Jonathan's answer. I actually did watch the spring game for Florida state harp and sale, so, questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to talk to you about
2: it. How they look? How they look to you? And then we'll hit Jonathan up. Uh, what does Florida State look like at quarterback? How they look at some key positions they lost there the loss to the NFL draft and the graduation? How are they going to rebuild? It? I think defensively,
1: Florida State's going to have a really, really strong, talented team. Uh, it's whether the offense is going to catch up. I mean, Malik Henry was as a freshman, a true freshman, really impressive in the spring game. Um, obviously, um, you
2: know, the starter allegedly,
1: which you know, last year it was hurt. So, you know, DeAndre looks pretty good too. He threw a couple of picks that really shouldn't have thrown. Uh, but he's a young guy who is coming off his red shirt, you know, freshman season, and uh, is going to be interesting to see what he can do if he can take down, um, you know, the starting nine going into the into the fall. I, I'm not so sure. So, quarterback is going to be one of those positions. Uh, that really is going to be up in the air. I think obviously Dalvin Cook, running back, receivers looked better. Uh, still a lot of a lot of issues with whether they're going to come along. Offensive line still had some problems, but defensively Florida State, I think it's going to be really good. It's a matter of the offense being able to catch up this year, and whether they basically uh, through the quarterback position can really match what the defense is going to be able to bring. And I'm not I'm not sure yet. We'll have to see in the fall. Is Dalvin Cook the best running back in the country? He's definitely up there. I mean, he was not in the spring game because of a shoulder minor sh- shoulder surgery. But, um, I mean, Dalvin Cook is going to put up huge numbers. This is obviously his last year at Florida State. He's, I mean, he's going to be one of the top backs taken. Next year's uh, running back draft is going to be ridiculous.
2: But, uh, <laughs> he's a, he's um, a freak.
1: There's going to be six running backs in the first round next year, and, and you can actually count it out. It could be the resurgence of running backs in the first round.
2: Um, but you know, Cook's going to be one of those guys. Yeah, this year is going to be a defense. Jonathan, what do you think about your Florida State seven o? Do you agree with Trey?
0: Uh, yeah, I think Florida State's going to have a, a really good defense again this year. Uh, they're going to play a lot of the four two five, you know, and the nickel. It, it looks like we we're going to have multiple corners in uh, McFadden. Uh, Marcus Lewis, uh, Marquez White came back. So, I think this is going to be a very good team. Definitely going to be loved by the secondary. Josh Sweat looks phenomenal. Um, You know, linebacker is what it is. I think at Florida State we've come to accept the fact that that's probably our weakest position position defensively, even though we have have a lot of talent there. It's just been uh, health uh, lately. Um, Offensively, Auden Tate was the guy I watched. He, uh, He was phenomenal. Um, plays plays like he's six six. I'm very um, very pleased with what I saw from him. Uh, Malik Henry can put touch on any ball he wants. DeAndre Francois can throw the ball wherever he wants. So that's uh, that's really the two main differences between the two of them. Uh, but I honestly, I'm with a lot of people when I say I think DeAndre Francois is going to be our starting quarterback. Sean McGuire will back him up
2: this year. Yeah, it's all about getting that talent in there, and Alabama's got the same problem. Um, that was a real good game yesterday. If you watched Alabama win, so the Crimson won 7-3, guys. And um, That offense struggled without Cam Robinson in there, Trey. But I'm going to tell you where, where I think Alabama's biggest hole is this year at center, Ron Kelly and, and Henry leaving. I know they have some good running backs, don't get me wrong, but how is Alabama going to – change their offense, when you have a four-year starter at center, like Ryan Kelly, how do you replace that? Because every time I've seen Auburn do it, they've struggled. I mean, the year after they lose their their starting center like that, they had three or four years of experience starting, is Alabama talented enough to put a a true freshman in there and and not miss a beat, really? Well, I
1: know that was you, Oh, uh, Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, you know, Bama is going to be interesting on offense this year. We've said that in the past. we said, hey, you know, this is the year that Bama really struggles and it never really comes to fruition. <laughs> I mean, their defense is going to be so incredible that it's going to be hard, basically, for them to really struggle when it comes to overall performance. Um, but on offense, we come out of passing games, and you talk about pass blocking and making calls out, and the center really controls a lot of that. Uh, that's going to be something that we're going to have to see in the maturation as they get they get on the season is whether or not they're going to come together. Because they have some other guys in the tackle positions who are pretty darn good at Tarvin. So it's not as if, you know, the line will be that bad, but it's a matter of how quickly they come together and, and really who steps up at the center position is going to be a big part of that.
2: Yeah, and, and let, me, let me say this about Alabama's defense. Last year it was supposed to be the best they ever had And once I went back and reviewed the SEC offenses, they really didn't honestly play an offense until they played Clemson. Clemson put a hung forty on them, and and the year before that, that last game, Nick Marshall threw for 400 yards. It just seems like to me, no matter how hard they try, it's still hard for them to stop a hurry-up offense. Which which tells me, if Nick Saban can't do it, I don't think anybody can. So I I don't think I, I think Alabama can struggle this year with teams that they hurry up if you if you notice Auburn going real fast trying to get back to that they've really dropped their plays by about 20 a game over the last two years but um, one thing that concerns me if I'm an Alabama fan guys Jonathan is one for five from field goals and these weren't long field goals either Adam Griffith one of five I mean this is a senior and he's one of five that's that's not looking good for a team that's looking for a new quarterback trying to Fill the running back shoes, the new center. How are they going to compensate for for no kicking game again? It could cost them in the SEC.
0: It definitely could. Um, you know, Alabama, unfortunately, that's that's really been their bugaboo has been the kicking. They haven't really been able to figure it out. So, I I think it's it's definitely a situation to monitor and keep the eye on. But I, I still, at the end of the day, expect Alabama to figure it out. Nick Saban's always seem to find a way to kind of figure these kind of things out. And we'll be able to, you know, see as it progresses, you know, because the whole thing is they're supposed to have a new kicker that's supposed to have this all figured out. So.
2: Well, they don't have it figured out. And uh, Kirby Smart to Georgia, Trey, how's that going to affect Alabama? Getting used to a new defensive uh, play call. I know it's saved in defense, but still Kirby Smart's been there forever. Jeremy Pruitt takes his place from Georgia. Is that going to have any impact? Plus, they lost 11 starters off that team. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's no doubt it's going to have an impact, Marvin. I mean, uh, obviously, Jeremy Pruitt is a guy who's been in that system and who knows it well, and, you know, it's not exactly that that different. I mean, Curtis Smart is, is somebody who is going to be tough to replace, but I'm not so sure, and I'm not sure if anybody really is, on what exactly Curtis Smart was doing. And I know Nick Saban said that he was –
0: <laughs> you know, it really
1: was Kirby Smart's defense, Tarvin, but we also know that Nick Saban yeah. is not a sort of a manager, um, at the, the head coach position like Bobby Bowden and you know Joe Paterno and even Mark Rick who said that he made that mistake of going to that sort of, you know, manager position of a head coach versus actually being involved and in Miami he's changed that. No one's ever told me that Nick Staven is a manager. So if he's gonna manager Tarvin, that defense had his imprint mm-hmm. on it in some way. So Yes, there would be some things, I mean, obviously Kirby Smart has been there long enough to have probably a lot of trust from, you know, the old ball coach to the real ball coach, if it will. But, I mean, you're talking about, Mm -hmm. I mean, Nick Saban defense. I I just don't think it's going to be that different.
2: And and I heard Gus Malzahn say this week, I don't know if y'all heard it, he tried the CEO approach of coaching and it's just not working for him if you noticed Auburn's offense last year. And it, it seems like to me he's making a little bit of excuses. He has to accept the fact that his quarterback struggled and he hasn't been able to develop them. But I don't see Nick Saban as a CEO either. I think Nick Saban's uh kind of like a micromanager type of guy. I mean, it's, he's going to tell you what to do, you do it, and then that's how it's going to be. I just – I don't think the defense, I don't think it's going to be much of an adjustment, really. That's what I was trying to lead. Jonathan, do you think Kirby Smart's departure is going to have any impact on this team whatsoever? I'm from the school is I think it may improve it a little bit. Honestly, I think Jeremy Pruitt is a better defensive coordinator than uh, than Kirby Smart
0: yeah I mean i well, and the great thing is Pruitt's been there before, so he knows you know he knows what he's walking into, he knows what he's dealing with um and I think that's that's really the the bigger thing here for Alabama is that they were able to hire somebody that already knows the system and uh you know already has a game plan set up, so I think. This, maybe this is just me, but I do think maybe they're going to get a little bit of an upgrade defensively because Saban will be able to take his hands off it a little more because he's really hand groomed Pruitt. Because as everybody knows, Saban's a defensive backs coach. That's his. That that has always been his thing. His you know his position has always been defensive backs, and that's what Pruitt's job was before he went out to the Florida State. So I think Saban's really been grooming Pruitt to take over that
2: those reins. Well, that's a good point, man. And again, I mean, Trey. How long have we been on this show? We this is the year Alabama falls. Well, it just doesn't seem to happen. So, so I'm not gonna say. I'm gonna say Alabama rolls, roll tide this year. How about that? I'm gonna change it up, and, and hopefully, we'll see them fall apart. But another team that I have my eye on the Georgia Bulldogs, Trey. Um, what's his name? The Ethan Jacob Ethan kid, the freshman, 19 to 29, 244. All Georgia Bulldog fans are. I'm going to ask both of you this, they're all fired up, but do you think a freshman, true freshman, can be successful in the SEC at quarterback? I'll start with you, Trey. Well, I mean,
1: whether they can be successful is going to be how you define success. I mean, whether the East is going to come in and win a national championship in year one, I don't think there's any any shot of that happening. Um, the East is, we know the East is super winnable. I mean, we know that the East has not been that difficult as a division to win, uh, not only statistically, you, it's been one of the worst divisions in football, quite honestly, in the last two years, if you look at the numbers at a conference and things like that. Um, but, I mean, can even kind of win the East? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's possibly realistic, Carvin. So if that's a measure of success for Georgia fans, then hey, you may get to the SEC championship game, even if you only have a freshman quarterback, which I'm not even sure he's going to start yet. um, so that's possible, but I mean, you're talking about title, final four type thing. I don't think they have a shot. Tarvin. I, I, I think the, again, the, the West is going to be a beast. I mean, you look at, there's two teams right now that on, even on paper, Tarvin, look like they can just destroy folks. And that's, you know, Bama, obviously with that defense. And I think LSU is up for a recent LSU. type of year. Yeah, I really like LSU this year too. So I just don't see Georgia getting past either one of those teams.
2: Well, well Trey, I haven't talked to you yet. And Jonathan, I'm coming to you with this question. Um, uh, you know John Franklin III. That I wanted to bounce it off you since I talked to Jonathan. You yeah. saw him at Florida State. You probably saw him in the mm-hmm. Auburn spring. And what do you think of Auburn's chances if he has a successful year this year, with their defense being pretty stacked, a lot better than it has been in the past? Some real speedy receivers, some great running backs. Do you think he's good enough and big enough to play in the SEC?
1: Well, I mean, he's a small. He's not exactly a big guy, and he's he's a guy who who could get hurt. Um, I'm not even sure he's going to be in the starter. I mean, Sean White had probably the best overall graded games.
2: You know, oh, like we he saw sucks. him last
1: year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, but you know, if you look at the numbers and, and you know you, you graded out, I mean, he was probably the best quarterback you had. Um, you know, Franklin oh, is he going to come in and start. That. I don't know, man. He, he's in the—he is more than the Gus Malzahn, um, I'd say, quarterback sort of situational skill mm-hmm. set, um, which could lead to him playing. But you still got to look at. it. I mean, he—he he is. He is not Kyle Frazier in the, his ability for accuracy. He he isn't. You know he's more your Jeremy Johnson type of, of probably. You know reading defenses. Uh, maybe he's gotten improved since the JUCO days. You know, but we're talking about a guy who who couldn't. You know, get in the top three at Florida State because of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't know Tarvin. I wouldn't put if I'm I'm an Auburn fan. I'm really hoping that Jeremy Johnson or Sean White show development more than I would be putting eggs in the basket of, of you know, JF
2: three. Look, Sean White. Look, I'm gonna say it, and I've said it ever since he's come on campus. I can't. I don't like him as a quarterback. I just don't. Jeremy Johnson resurgent. That would be awesome to have a senior come out of nowhere like Jason Campbell did and rejuvenate it, and him do what he was supposed to do last year. Yeah, but I'm putting my eggs in the the Franklin the third basket, or possibly the the Woody Barrett freshman. The only thing is, Woody Barrett, he's a future but he's not coming in until the fall where you see this Ethan kids already. It's different when you're a freshman and you get to go through spring and then summer than when you come in in the fall, isn't it, Trey? It's a big difference. Oh, yeah, it's a big difference. That weight program and knowing the playbook, huge difference. Yeah, that's good. And, Jonathan, you think about Ethan over here, and we're going to go to Tennessee next. I just, I think he's better than what Georgia has. I mean, it, and, and I, I don't think he's going to be that successful, but like Trey said, what what's what success the Georgia fans making it to the SEC uh championship, I still don't think they're good enough to beat Tennessee right now with Ethan.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think Tennessee has a chance to be very, very, very good this year. Um but I mean you know how look, yup. You know, you're an Auburn fan, train our Florida State fans. We hear it all the time. All right, Georgia fans will accept nothing but a national title. All right, so <laughs> let's let's realize that what we may determine that success, or like the conversation we had uh, last week, Brian, which was Florida State had a 10-win season last year, and I considered it somewhat disappointing. Even though I knew that's kind of what we were looking at, I still consider the 10-win season to be disappointing, and you're like, "Well, you want to be Auburn? Oh, no, good point, you know." And I think I think that's how we have to look at this: is Georgia fans are going to say, "If we don't win a title, if we don't win the SEC, then it was another wasted year. Why did we fire Mark?" Uh, so I, I just think we need to remember that when it comes to these schools. Uh, but you know, I'll, I think Ethan's talented, and I think they're going to need to give him some time. To bow up, and this is a kid who could lead them to an SEC championship in
2: two or three years. And I'm going to ask an honest question, Trey. Who makes the college playoff first? Georgia uh, or Mark Riggs, Miami Hurricanes, or Kirby Smarts, Georgia Bulldogs? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Neither.
1: Well, no, obviously, mean, somebody's going to make it eventually, right? But um, I think probably Georgia. I think Georgia probably. If I had to give a, a equal take, Tarvin, based on yeah. I think Clemson and Florida State are just too strong right now, and, and Miami really has. You, the funny thing is, and this is sort kind of a sidebar, Tarvin, is Miami, even with, with Rick, have, have commit, commitment and then decommitment to recruiting like every day. And so that tells me there's still something missing at Miami, even with Rick there, even though their recruiting is going to go up
2: a little bit. It's called, it's called fans. Miami, it's so. called fans in the stands. Yeah, I just think Miami is a little bit further away, Tarvin, so I'd go with Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Jonathan doesn't either. I would probably say the only thing problem about Georgia, are they ever going to be able to beat a West team? That's, that's what we're going to figure out. But let's flip over to Tennessee. The Orange won 70 to 63. And, again, Tennessee does this crazy kind of scoring. They have these one-on-one drills. But my question that everybody wants to know, Jonathan, is, has Tennessee learned? Are they are they going to learn how to close games? That's the question. Last year they could have been in the national championship had they closed some games because they were they choked a lot at the in the fourth quarter of football games. They should have beaten Oklahoma. They should have beaten Florida. They had Alabama. All those add up to losses. And how do they learn to close?
0: Well, you learn to close by not being able to close, uh, and that's that's. Kind of the benefit of what last year was. Let's face it, you know, if they get to the you know the Final Four, does anybody actually think, you know, they they could have competed? Well, no. I mean, they probably would have got run off by Clemson. Uh, they probably would have, you know, they could have lost to really any of those teams out there. In there, even you know, a team like Notre Dame who wasn't in it. I mean, you know, Tennessee was good, but I don't think they were national title quality last year. And I think they needed those tough losses to learn. I think this year you can see them uh, drastically improve to the point where they are in the conversation late into October, and maybe they are in the Final Four. So those 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 heartbreak losses I think were a good thing for them. I think it was a great learning experience, especially for Joshua Dobbs, who I think is going to have an excellent year. And, you know, he's a very intelligent kid. Uh, you know, if, if you've read any of the stories about his – academic career so far this, this kid i mean it's it's unreal what, what he's been able to do um and the major that he has so i think uh this could be the year for tennessee after having a rough year you know things are going to come back in their favor
2: trey i mean do they do they learn how how to close games you know they've had a tough schedule of late this year it's a little different they they play appalachian state to open up the season and then they play Virginia Tech at that neutral side. Lucky for them that Virginia Tech's terrible. But is this the year that they learn how to close? I think when you, I get to learn to close more, I mean, I'm still not buying
1: them as a national contender just yet. I think they're um, an SEC East contender for sure. Uh, I really like their ability or their uh, possible ability to win the East. Um, but still, I mean, I, I look at a national contender. You're not going to have two out of a conference. We kind of know that unless there's some sort of weird scenario. And I just look at the, the teams in the West being the ones who are real – I think it's a real skill set. And I, I see the make a final 4 type run. But I like Tennessee. They're going to keep improving. Um, but, you know, Bush Jones hasn't gotten some of the criticism that I think he needs for losing some of these games. I mean, there have been some coaching mistakes near the end of these games that um, – you know, you can't just say that you progress and you learn. You have to actually sometimes, you know, ends up being the same mistake over and over again because the coach just won't change. And so, until I see that from Butch Jones, I don't think they take the next step as in we're talking about national step. But I think they're at the next step this year of
0: competing for the
1: East and being a real. Um, but I mean, here's the thing, Tarvin. They're gonna be at least a portion. A lot of SEC writers favorites to win the East. I mean, how do they handle that?
2: Um, so, I don't know. Well, well, here's their road schedule. It makes it a lot easier. They play at Georgia, at A&M, at South Carolina in that game. The rest of their games are at home. Uh, the Virginia Tech games are neutral site. I mean, that's a favorable schedule, if, honestly. I think Texas A&M is going to be a little better this year, honestly. That's going to be a tough one, College Station, anytime you go. Athens is always tough, but Tennessee plays them well. But being able to play Florida, in Knoxville, Alabama. I mean, that, that schedule is weak, Jonathan. To me, they play Tennessee Tech, uh, Ohio Appalachian State. I mean, it's full of cupcakes, and you get Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt added in South Carolina. I mean, that's a weak schedule.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a favorable schedule. Um, I mean, we'll we'll see how it turns out. With I think Alabama is going to be really that that keynote game again where, you know, that can really make or break their season. But, you know, obviously they have to get past Florida first. Um, you know, and that's definitely been a team that they've had their struggles with over the past decade. So I'm interested to see if they can get past Florida. Obviously I'm rooting for them to get past Florida. Um... Yeah, you know, I mean, if they can get past Florida, I think you're going to see a lot of confidence from this team. But Trey's right. I mean, Butch Jones did make a lot of coaching mistakes last year, and he wasn't held accountable for a lot of them in the national media. And I'm wondering to see if he actually learned anything. Because uh, if he did, this team could progress. And I think Trey's right. They, they, you, know, you always have to earmark them as a favorite in the East because – so, not for nothing, but it's not like Georgia or Florida have anything special coming along. Neither does Missouri or South Carolina, and Kentucky still Kentucky.
2: Craig? They're going
1: to they're gonna, they're gonna be the favorite, Carvin, and that's the thing. is, is you know, Even in my mind, they're the favorite in the East. I think Georgia is a little bit behind them, but the East is going to be terrible this year. Uh, I look for Florida taking a huge step back. You know, I think Florida and their quarterback, conundrum. Um, is bad. So, I mean, you're right. Missouri uh, does not – I mean, Missouri probably couldn't win five games in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I just don't think they're that good. I mean, Kentucky, who um, – you know, come on. Let's, uh, uh, you're, I mean, Tarvin, you talk about the schedule. Tennessee is going to be one of those teams who are ranked highly at some point or very highly at some point. But when they – when the rubber meets the road against Alabama uh, and, and if they can't get through those demons of teams like Florida who are going to be pretty average this year – I don't know, man. That's why, that's why I'm not picking them to do anything nationally Tarvin, until I see it. They're one of those teams that mm-hmm. I got to see it to believe it. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. that being the favorite is going to be interesting for them. You know, when, when those games come against those cupcakes like Kentucky, you know, are they going to be able to to, to face that? Oh, you know, that letdown if they're having a bad week. Uh, well, let's see, I, I think Tennessee um, should be the favorite of the SEC and they should win the SEC based on the talent and the experience. But you never know, man. That's well, why I'm always going You Never know.
2: Well, Trey, I'm going to tell you, I looked at the Vegas odds, and this, this caught me off guard a little bit. And tell me what y'all think. LSU's favorite to win the SEC this year, according to Las Vegas. The number two team, I guess because they're in another division, is Tennessee. I just, I don't know how you make anybody a favorite besides Alabama and the West until somebody, you know, Auburn beat them a couple of times in, in this stretch. But, I just don't know how you put LSU up there. I know they, they, they look good on paper. I, I get that. But but Tennessee, I mean, is Tennessee going to be last year's Georgia, Trey, where they they make it? Remember how Georgia was undefeated and had yeah. Alabama coming into Georgia and they just rolled them? Mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama steamrolled them. It could be the same situation. It could be a 6-0 Tennessee team with Alabama coming in, and if they get destroyed, it could derail their entire season.
1: Yeah, and that Tarvin, you are hitting exactly what I was getting to was undefeated, high-ranked, you know, number eight, number seven in the country, Tennessee. They're going to be ridiculously high-ranked. Just wait and see. Uh, What what are they going to do if Alabama just trucks them? You know, what are they going to do if that that, happens and they have all this hype and this is their year and Alabama blows them out 45 to nothing, you know, because Alabama's defense is that Are they going to rebound and win the East or are they going to tank like Georgia did last year? you know, I mean, that's what's shown and that coaching is going to come down to it.
2: Well, I mean, look, I mean, it's all about the the first seven games for Tennessee. Appalachian State's a win. Virginia Tech's a win. Ohio's a win. Then you get this this four-game stretch, Florida, Georgia, A&M, and Bama back-to-back, two of those on the road, two in a row before Alabama are road games, which doesn't set up well. After that Alabama game, you got South Carolina on the road, Tennessee Tech at home, Kentucky at home, Missouri at home, and Vanderbilt on the road. It's all about, I mean, by, by the month of October, Jonathan, we're going to know Tennessee's destiny. If they're a one-loss team uh, after that Alabama game and they went out and, and win the SEC, we know where they're going. But this could be a three- or four-loss team after that Alabama game, too.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, they do have Georgia meltdown material. Um, it's just funny because Georgia still won, what, 10 games last year? Um you know, we 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 talk about how Georgia had their meltdown, but I think uh, I think you're right. I think it is that stretch. You know, if they can get past Florida and Georgia, and they're rolling high into that Tennessee game, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. out they lose in a, if it was a heartbreaker, or whether they get blown out, I'm interested to see how that team responds. You know, because I don't think this is a year where Tennessee is looking at it going, we're just trying to compete with uh, Alabama. I think last year was that year where they got to the point in their season where they're like, we're just trying to see if we can compete with these guys, and they they showed they could. So this year, I think they're they're going into it kind of like Ole Miss did a couple years ago, which was, you know, we're we're going in to beat these guys, and Ole Miss did. Now their season didn't turn out the way they had hoped after they beat them, but you know, this is. I think this is definitely going to be a, an interesting year for Tennessee. I'm kind of excited to see what happens. You know, because it's always – I don't care what anybody says. You know, if you, if, you don't, if you don't have a dog in the conference, it's always fun to see some new blood it up. Uh, you know, it's the same reason why we were all excited about Northwestern a couple of years ago when there was a lot of preseason hype about them. So I'm interested to really watch Tennessee and see what they can do.
2: Well, we're going to keep following college football, and uh, this week coming up, if you'd like to call in, right click six four six seven one six five five six four. Trey, the NFL draft's coming up. Looks like the Rams sold the farm to really try to get a quarterback. But looking at this draft board, man, it's full of defensive players. You said next week, next year is going to be the draft of the running back. This year is a, a defensive loaded, you know, draft. Did, did the Rams make a mistake? Of, of trading to get the number one overall pick to get a quarterback when maybe they could have gotten them later.
1: Oh yeah, and this, this is definitely a mistake, Tarvin. I mean, Wentz and Goff do not grade out like Winston and and uh, Mariota last year. That's just that's just easy.
2: Yeah, Jonathan. I mean, we, you talked. Have you changed your Have you changed your heart yet about about this decision with the Rams? From the last time we spoke, did you think this was a good decision, or was that funny? That
0: was funny. Oh God, no! I still think it was an awful idea. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I keep hearing from the national media they had to make this move. They had to do it. You know, they had to make the splash so they can, you know, tell their tell the fans, hey, look, you know, we're we're gonna try and do something. And I, I still think that's a stupid reason. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly, you know, they, what what wound up happening was, you know, Cleveland now has decided apparently since they they don't get to choose what quarterback they want. They're gonna um they're they're looking to trade back, which it takes kind of very short sighted because if their guy falls if the guy they want falls with him, he falls with him, but whatever, that's that's Cleveland. That's why the Browns are still the Browns. Um so this draft now sets up real nice for San Diego, it sets up nice for that for Dallas. Because San Diego's in a position out of where they can get Tunsville, who we all know they would love to get. They want to get an offensive lineman, uh, especially a Keystone left tackle like that. And then for Dallas, they'll get their pick of whatever defender they want. I know they're really high on Ramsey. So what, what this is going to do is it's going to hinder guys who want to trade up and try to get one of those guys. Because uh, I think Cleveland at this point is selling their pick to whoever wants another quarterback. And that's where you look at San Francisco.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the the draft rankings and everything. I, I see Paxton Lynch 27th. Um, what well, the other kid, he's not even ranked. Is he? I mean, the quarterback they're trying to get, he's not even like. Yeah, he's ranked fifth. Jared Goff. I mean, Trey is that too high to be ranked for him from Cal? I mean, here
1: Goff was going to be a number one pick before he, he came out his junior year. If you recall, he's one of those guys, kind of like. Um, was a kid from Washington a couple years ago who was a junior year? Uh, with Jake Locker. Locker. Yep, Jake Locker uh, was a top five pick, and then stayed in and had a terrible senior year, and then came, obviously fell ridiculously in the draft. And you know now is no longer in football.
0: Um, so I look at
1: off, and I wonder about him because of that. Now he's still, you know, apparently very high and all that kind of stuff, carbon But
0: you know, he had
1: a, his senior year wasn't great. Um, I think Goff could be a successful quarterback, but I, mean, I don't think him nor when you're looking at this Carson Wentz guy or the kind of guy who can come into your, your draft and, and change your team. And, and I, you know, I know the Rams are saying, well, well, they have Gurley, so they can you know they can have a quarterback and bring him along slow, slowly. Well, try eight or nine in the box in the NFL, and tell me, tell me how, how this is going to be? Uh, I just don't see this kind of – I don't see either one of these guys being game changers this year. And, I actually, I would love, uh, if you say Browns fan, for them to trade down so they don't take a, basically a dumb risk on a quarterback who isn't going to be your franchise again. I mean, if you you know, you know brought in RG3, give him a year, uh, and then draft somebody who can really help you. You know, trade down, get a couple more picks. I mean, the problem with the Browns is they're not players. So, I mean, get a few players
2: who may be able to develop on their own. I think the Browns' problem, too, is they, they haven't been able to find a running back either. Trent Richardson was a bust. You know, I mean, it, it's like, they could it be a year where Cleveland goes after Ezekiel Elliott, maybe, and or somebody like that, pair him up with RG3 and, and see what happens? Because I know we blame a lot of it on the quarterback for Cleveland, and that's true. They haven't had really much success, but tell me the last successful running back, really, at Cleveland, Trey.
1: Well, I mean, that's a good point. Which is another reason why I think that you trade this year's pick if you have it, because next year is going to be so many good running backs. And if you can get anything on of RG3 trade down, and the defensive talent in this draft is so incredible. I mean, if you can trade down and get grab a Ramsey still, or depending on who trades up, or, or a Tunsil. I mean, or even take a playmaker or receiver. I mean, there's all kind of ways the Browns could actually make this is a very successful draft. But I just don't see Goff or Wentz as a guy who's going to help this organization change.
2: No, well, I mean I don't see him ever like being a, a playoff quarterback, especially because Jonathan. These guys got a bad teams, and that's the problem. You put one of them on a, a very good team and allow them to 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 study a couple of years to develop. Then you'd have more success. But what what's happening is there's not many quarterbacks being developed for the NFL. Sucky teams are just giving up the farm for them, and they're they're failing. It's it's making football bad. Really, it's bad for football. That there's no good quarterbacks that come out anymore. And they go to bad teams. The ones that do, the ones that do, look at Winston, look at Cam, terrible teams. I,
0: I agree. I you know I I think that that is an issue where uh, you know it, it's the same teams every year. You know, people want talking about how there's parity in the NFL. There's really not. It's the same teams almost every year drafting high up. I mean. You know, will you see a team come out of the gunner? Yeah, well usually it's because they do finally find a quarterback. Uh, and, and you know, we saw it with Carolina, they finally found a quarterback. But, you know, we we thought the you know, maybe the Jaguars have found theirs, maybe the Raiders have found theirs. But, you know, I do think that, you know, they're you know, and this is an issue that has been discussed a lot is colleges not really the colleges aren't really producing a lot of quarterbacks and so they're not getting quarterbacks ready for the NFL. They're trying to win now. And the best way to win now, at least what these teams have been trying to tell us, is a spread-up tempo system, and that does not translate well to the NFL. So we're we're definitely in a in a time where it's 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 a little more difficult to get a quarterback because you're getting guys with all these physical traits, like a Jake Locker, who you know Jake Locker was supposed to be the guy. When uh, he was uh, coming out, and it was all because of physical traits. It wasn't because of his playing in college. He was never really that good in college. His team didn't win a lot. You know, Washington didn't become a perennial contender in college because Jake Locker was the starting quarterback. So I think, you know, you really have to keep an eye on things like that, and that's why there's a lot of. Are you sure about golf? It's because he, a lot of people are, he reminds them of Jake Locker in, in a case of, oh, he made what one bowl game his whole career. I mean, it's not like this guy was ever on a dominant team or ever really truly dominated. It was he has physical tools. Let's see if you know he can utilize those tools to his advantage. So um, I mean, we'll, we'll find out. Obviously, uh, with with golf and with Cook and Lynch and guys like that. But you know, it's like Trey said. None of these guys remind you uh, of a Jameis. And none of these guys remind you of an Andrew Luck. I mean, this isn't this isn't a draft where you know whoever has the number one pick just found the key to their franchise.
2: Trey, do you think a, a team's going to take a, a shot on taking an Alabama running back in the first round this year, Derrick Henry I, I don't, from Alabama?
1: You know, maybe late, Carbon, Depends on how the draft, excuse me, the draft shakes out, but. I mean, I look at Henry as a, as a, as a second-round guy, and you know, I, I told you that last year um, as well, that I thought Henry, even after he won the Heisman, was a second-round, third-round kind of guy for the NFL because of the style of running. Now, that doesn't mean Henry isn't going to be successful. I mean, that it means that you know where you value the risk versus the reward. Uh, my concern for Henry is the mistake I made with Richardson. You know, you know I was going Richardson, um, and when I look at them, I just have that fear. Maybe it's because they both went to Alabama, but um, I would be careful uh, because to be honest, Ezekiel Elliott is, is the most NFL-ready back, and he's the guy who you don't get, and you want a running back, I think you get, you wait uh, and, you, and you don't take a risk because there's
2: so many other guys in the
1: draft to help you out, but I mean, Henry could be an end-of-the-first-round success story. He really could if he goes to the right team.
2: Well, he's 6'3", Jonathan, and that's And he's fast. I mean, he's put on some weight, but he's a Heisman Trophy winner. It's not the first time. We've seen Mark Ingram. He hasn't really done anything. Trent Richardson's a bust. But there's another running back in Alabama in the draft, Kenyon Drake. I mean, I think he's going to have more of a successful career than Derrick Henry will.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the only reason Drake didn't become the next Alabama uh guy in line was because of the injuries. So, obviously, that's something to keep an eye on. If he can stay healthy, I think he's uh, supremely talented. Um, and, obviously, to go to Alabama, you, you have to be talented. Nick Saban doesn't take, you know, Joe Schmoes off the block. So, uh, I I think he could have a good career. I, I'm with Trey. I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott might be the most NFL-ready running back. Um and I think he's somebody that we, we could see going in the top ten. Uh, I know the Eagles really like him. Uh, so I'm interested to see, you know, how that how that goes with Ezekiel. But I mean it's it's very weird how the running back has become so devalued, um, to the point where teams are almost afraid to take him in the first round and then we're gonna have the draft next year where I mean, there's going to be a bunch of running backs you're going to want to take him in the first round. So, you know, it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on with Derrick Henry. He can almost have an Eddie Lacy-type fall, though. We don't know because he is so big. And that is something teams are going to keep an eye on.
2: And, Trey, you know, we, we talked about quarterbacks. And let me name some quarterbacks in this draft that I think could be serviceable. Um, let's not forget about uh, the Brissett guy from North Carolina State. You know, Jacoby Brissett, remember how good he was, six four, two thirty one. Yeah, Brandon Allen from Arkansas, six one, two seventeen. Kevin Hogan from Stanford, six three, two eighteen. Dak Prescott's the one that I'm looking at, six two two twenty six. Cardell Jones from Ohio State, a big six five, two fifty three, Hackenberg from Penn State. Is there any one of those trades that you have your eye on if you're a team that you you could get you could steal them really and and be better off than than the Rams trading their whole farm away and, and trying to get this one player up top. I think there's a better yeah, quarterback I like down
1: Oh Yeah, I feel like Hackenberg from Penn State um, as a guy who has had enough struggles in college, I think, and seen enough to be successful in the NFL, he's not going to be ready game one. But And I think Cardell Jones um, is a guy who, you know, taking the fourth round or so, Tarvin, Uh, in a couple years, could be really successful. He's not a guy who, again, this year is going to be ready. He needs to really learn the NFL game and really learn scouting reports and things like that. But there are other – I mean, you know, there's – I mean, Brandon Allen maybe. Dex Prescott maybe. But, I mean, any of those guys, Tarvin, could be worth the shot later on that would be a lot better of a risk for reward than Goff or Wins
2: in round one. Well, I know Hackenberg, Jonathan, can throw it around. I mean, he can – he can throw the rock around. You saw him in Penn State with a depleted offensive line and depleted team. He put up some good numbers.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big Hackenberg fan. Um, I, I I look at his freshman year, and I see with, with the talent that he had around him that year, he, he was successful. And it seemed like that offense just became more and more devoid of talent, and I think that's what led to his fall from, from you know, the fame than anything. So I think Hackenberg is taking – you know, I mean, I still think he's going to wind up being probably a second-round pick. Somebody's going to look at him and go, if we don't get him now, we're never going to get him kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Dak Prescott could be a steal. I really came around to him uh, his senior year. Um, you know, Cardinal Jones, I think, is a project. I'm going try on that. I don't think year one he can provide you anything. But I, I think as, as, he, as he grows and progresses throughout his career – you know he's still got to learn how to read defenses. You know everybody looks at how he, le- you know he led Ohio State to that championship run, and obviously that's a really nice thing to have on your resume. But I, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that uh, you know Hackenberg uh, and Cardell is, is ready to start right off the bat. You know so you know if there's a couple guys obviously you want to keep your eye on, but I think Prescott and Hackenberg are my top two. They could be late round steals.
2: And, Trey, talking about Dak Prescott, I I really saw a development in his passing game over the last year and a half, let's say. We know he can run the ball. 6'2", that's, that's okay size for a quarterback. But that's, Dak Prescott did this at Mississippi State. I mean, he had been number one in the country the year before. I mean, any chance he has some success in the NFL. He's not Cam Newton or Winston size, but – 6'2 is not too bad, but he can take a hit. But he's just a smart guy.
1: I think when I look at Dak Prescott, Tarvin, I look at a solid backup, uh, which is, you know, that's not, that's not for nothing. I and mean, Dak Prescott can have a very successful NFL career,
2: you know, and, and be a
1: solid backup for five or six years um, because he has that kind of he's, – he's smart. He, has, he makes pretty good decisions with the football. So he's a guy who's going to stay around, I think, in the NFL. Um, and whether he gets, has success, Tarvin, I, I think is just entirely on the situation because he has talent, uh, but he's just not one of those guys who are instantly going to be good no matter what happens in the NFL. He's going to have to take some special circumstances, some talent around him.
2: Yeah. You can
0: see
1: him, Tarvin, I think, like, say, say the Giants strapping him and letting him sit by behind Eli for two or three years, and then Eli retires. And, man, could you imagine him with, like, you know, Beckham? I mean, in, you know, even in three or four years, I mean, even in Beckham's, you know, starts, you know, in his, you know, I just, I think that he could have success in a team like the Giants or somebody who really
2: could do a solid backup position for a while. Yeah, and, this, and then we talked about this draft of being defensively just, I mean, it's loaded, guys, and um, Larry Tun, Tums, Laramie Tunsell, an offensive tackle. He's one of the offensive guys in this draft that I looked at. He's about the only one really that I'm, I'm like getting all excited about. Ronnie Stanley at Notre Dame's good, but could Laramie Tunsil be the first player taken in this draft, other than by the Rams? We know that they didn't trade up to get Laramie Tunsil, Um, but could he go the first overall or second overall pick in this draft?
1: Um, I, I don't think so, Tarvin just because of some of the, the, the concerns about him. Um, I think football-wise, you know, I think he is absolutely probably the best uh, interior lineman. He's going to go in the top five. I just don't, I don't think he's going to go that high at number two. Um, but I think I the think one and two is going to be quarterbacks this year no matter how much, you know, we think that might be the wrong move. I think that's what's going to happen. I think he goes three, Tarvin, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I just like him. I think he's he started every year. He's he's been at Ole Miss. He did have some concerns, but uh, Robert Venditti, Jonathan, this jumping off a of balcony, doing yeah,
0: cocaine. How, 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 <laughs> how, yeah,
2: how, how much did that affect his draft stock? I think it's huge. I think it's it's real huge, especially what's going on in the NFL today. We just saw a player being shot to death in the streets. I mean, these franchises put a lot of money into these players. Where does Kandichi fall in all this? I mean, is it, is he going to be a second-rounder and he should be a first, or is he going to stay a first-rounder? What do you think, John?
0: Uh, I mean, uh, we, we saw Nick Kandichi has all the talent in the world to be a first-round pick, even be a top-ten pick. Uh, but I do think the off-the-field concerns have scared teams off. They're looking at him kind of the way I think, honestly, he's going to have a Randy Gregory-type fall in the draft where – you know, Randy Gregory was supposed to be a top five ticket at, at one point last year. Um and I, I honestly think now uh you know he he's gonna have the Nick and gonna the same thing Gregory had where he falls to the back end of the second round and somebody takes a shot on him. Um, you know, whether it is somebody like the Cowboys, um or you know, a, a team of, of that nature, I, I think we'll will take that gamble. I, I think obviously there's certain teams that are gonna want nothing to do with him. Uh, but, I mean, very, very, very talented. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I just, you know, the, everything off the field kind of worries you. It really does, you know. And when you're looking at somebody as a first-round pick, you really don't want to have any character concerns. And, you know, guys like that can thank Lawrence Phillips uh, for the
2: reason why they don't go high. <laughs> yeah, Trey, the uh... – the off-the-field issues are really starting to be weighed heavily. Some teams, you know, before they would just say, we need him, let's do it. But how many times have these guys succeeded? Just, just say ten. If you name ten guys with character flaws and been arrested and all this, how successful have they been in the NFL once they've been drafted? It seems like they've been a, there, there's been a lot of busts. And it's all well, fair. it has been, and they're putting a lot of money into these guys, too.
1: I mean, the money keeps going up for first-rounders, especially in the high first round. I mean, you're putting a lot of money. And to be honest, with, with the way coaching has been and firings and everything, I think not only that, Carvin, I think with GMs being held accountable now for coaching, for basically draft decisions, you know, I think in a manner that really hasn't happened a whole lot in, in before, where GMs really had a lot more years to build teams. So well, now if you make a bad GM decision in the first round, You may not be around for three years, uh, you know, for your next shot to really draft. So, uh, I think that's one of the reasons, too, is guys are so concerned about their picks and the fans and success quick. You know, you're not developing guys for four years. You're trying to get honest production out of them during their rookie contract um, that,
2: you know, they're not willing to take chances anymore. Yeah, and you can't blame them. Like you said, the money. and, And I don't know many success stories. I really can't off the top of my head, name any that, wow, they took a risk on this guy and it really paid off. Can you, can you guys think of any, I know Winston, with out, the crab out. legs, but, and, uh, but that's not really doing cocaine and jumping off of a balcony, you know, or that's not beating somebody to death or, or something. That's, that's juvenile stuff. But I'm talking about major character flaws. Cam Newton, the alleged stolen laptop. That's not to me something that that you worry about too much, especially when they did it early on as a kid. And there's a lot of character issues in this draft here. And I think these, these teams are doing a lot better job, Jonathan, of of reviewing them before they draft them. And Everybody's wondering, wow, this guy was supposed to be a first round. He didn't get drafted to the fourth round. Well, there you go. These guys are doing a much better job.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I can't really think of anybody with any true character flaws that you know, went high. I mean, obviously, there was there was that little bit of a stink around Randy Moss, whether people want to admit it or not. And, you know, you get kicked out another name in Florida State uh, before, you know, the freshman year really gets going. I, I, there's always going to be something that follows you. Um, but, I, I, you know, honestly, I don't think there's been too many guys where we've worried about their character issues that have been taken high. Uh, and on with trades because GMs do realize, hey, that could, you know, this, this draft pick is my career. Uh, you know, if you draft high and you swing and miss, you you're gone. You know, you're not going to probably, you know, like Trey said, you're probably not going to see the end of that guy's contract. So teams are a lot more cautious in what they're doing. Um, you know, a lot of these guys develop characteristics after they're drafted, um, not while not before, not while they were in college.
2: Well, let's talk about character to me and, like, you know, you talked about Ezekiel Elliott, Trey, and the things he did after they lost a football game to Michigan State, the things he said and did, to me, that I mean, he didn't rob a bank or hurt anybody, but do you risk first-round money on someone with that kind of attitude that would just call a coach out in college like that, throw his teammates under the bus? Um, is that going to affect his draft stock? Because I would, if I was no. in management, I just don't like the guy.
1: Well, now There's a lot of people who, who you can find on every team who you don't like as a person, but uh, who may be a little bit of a you know an able, hole. But uh, no, He has no <laughs> concern affect his draft talk, not, not in the least.
2: Okay, well, I'm just I just didn't like the way he did that. But again, he didn't snort cocaine and jump off a balcony and try to kill himself or whatever. I, there's a big difference there between talking and doing but this this draft Mm -hmm. seems to be this this draft seems to be a lot better like i mean it's loaded guys i can't wait to see these defensive guys where they go i hope carolina uh steals them a couple but but trey what do you think about the panthers opening up with the broncos thursday night football to open the season in denver denver being a three-point favorite without peyton manning on their team was that a good thing or a bad thing yeah, the
1: Mark Sanchez career starts, right? Mark Sanchez, starting quarterback, Denver Broncos, what it looks <laughs> like now. You know, not, nothing says prime I, time like Mark Sanchez.
2: And Cam Newton. You know Cam Newton, he's doing over that now. He's, I think Carolina's going to come out and beat him to death when it doesn't matter at all. But when it mattered the most, he, <laughs> he went and crawled behind his mommy. I'm telling you,
1: Mark Sanchez, Cam Newton, quarterback, battle. what about what him?
2: what a battle. Let's speaking of battle, let's move over to the NBA. Yesterday we didn't have too many battles. Uh Indiana did beat Toronto trade 190 190 and Jonathan, you remember Cuervo, uh he told us Indiana was going to beat Toronto in a seven game series. Are you ready to say Indiana's going to win it or there's a lot of game to be left to be played really.
0: Well, if Toronto doesn't figure out an answer for Paul George, this is, this could be a short series. Um, you know, he, he had a phenomenal game yesterday. I believe he had 27 of his 33 points in the, in the second half. Uh, he really took over that fourth quarter. Paul George is somebody, obviously, to keep an eye on. I mean, he's been a phenomenal player his whole career, and he's going to carry that team. Just got to worry about if he's going to wear it down as the series goes on because he kind of is it for, for them. So... Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, Toronto, their their postseason bugaboo has come back to get them. You know, we're we're going to see it time and time again where Toronto's kind of got to worry about whether or not they're going to be able to handle the, the postseason pressure.
2: And, Trey, I got to see for myself last night how bad Dallas was. I mean, they scored 11 points in the first period, 18 in the third, 19 in the fourth. They did break twenty in the second. I mean, this is a bad Dallas team. Are they going to get swept? And I, I think Jonathan called for the sweep, and I, I said no. Dallas is going to win a game, but I can't imagine Dallas beating Oklahoma City in a game after losing by thirty-eight last night. Well, that was I mean, terrible. They get a game. I,
1: mean, I think they may get a game, Tarvin. That's not saying a whole lot. I mean, just mm-hmm. think about this, Tarvin. You know, we always talk about how great the West is. I mean. The East worst team was better than the West worst team. I mean so mm-hmm. you're talking about some teams at the bottom of the West that aren't what we normally have where the West is just an absolute gauntlet. If you're talking about some teams near the end of the West that really aren't that great. And unfortunately as a Mavericks fan, my Mavericks are pretty terrible. I mean they really don't have a shot at all in this series. <laughs> I mean I would love if they did, but I mean they've made no splashes in the postseason. Uh, in a long time, they made no big draft moves. Didn't draft any great guys. They made no so big free agent signings. I mean, this is a Dallas team that's really pieced together by a couple of veterans, and they're not they're not gonna they're not they're not gonna compete with Kevin Durant and Westbrook. They're just not gonna. No,
2: no and you see, even he, Houston let me down a little bit. I thought, looking at the talent on that team. They should be better than getting beat by 30 points in the game against Golden State, Jonathan. I mean, I know you predicted a sweep. I, I said Houston was going to get a game. I'm probably wrong again. As they said in Waterboy, wrong again. Um, but, I mean, with Harden and Howard and these guys, they should be able to win a game. They get destroyed the first game by Golden State. I mean, is Golden State this good or is is the bottom half of the West, like Trey said, that bad, really?
0: Well, I think it's a combination of both. Obviously, the bottom half of the West is is very lackluster, and, you know, and obviously, people talk about how bad the East is. And I honestly, if you look at it, I would say top to bottom, the East is actually uh, better than the West. Uh, the West just happens to have probably the three best teams in the league. So, I I think yeah. I think you know Houston's terrible. Uh, they they don't care. I almost think that they just want the season to be over. And at the same time, it's like, well, why fight to make the playoffs? And it was well, James. You know, these guys didn't want to just end the season on on, on a golf course. Um, you know that 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 was very clear. By the way, they just smashed people to get their playoff spot. But I, I don't think they can hang with Golden State. I don't know, you know, how severe Steph Curry's injury is, and maybe that'll you know, help Houston steal a game if he has to sit out one. Even if he has to sit out a game, I almost think there's too much firepower for them. Uh, you know, it's, right now it's just Houston's just terrible.
2: They're terrible. They are. And, Trey, Oklahoma City, could they win the West, honestly? I mean, they got Westbrook, Durant, Abaca put in 17 last night, Canner 16 off the bench. If they get some, some – points from their bench, some help. Could they win the West? I think they look good enough to win the West, honestly.
1: Well, I mean, we all know that this is a Golden State you know, thing to lose. Now, nothing's a foregone conclusion like a lot of – I heard a lot of NBA guys on ESPN talking about how this was basically a foregone conclusion. I I, I don't agree with that. I think that, you know, in the right situation, if if you get – you know, Steph Curry banged up or something. Uh, then, yeah, I, I think that you could have uh, something that Westbrook and and Durant take over and they're able to win something like this. But I mean, the odds, you know, as uh, the Hunger Games says,
2: unfortunately are not in their favor. Yeah, well, I still think there's a lot of basketball to be played. And yesterday, also a great game. Atlanta, one hundred two, one hundred one over Boston. Jonathan. I still think Boston is going to take this series. I think the fact that the Hawks won by one game or one point in the first game at home says a lot about how good this Boston team can be. I think they're going to steal one in Atlanta, game 2, and I don't I don't think Atlanta can win on the road. So I think Boston is going to win this series even though they lost that first game.
0: Yeah, this actually might be the most fun series to to watch. Uh and in, in the first round, uh, I think we're going to get a very enjoyable series. It's going to get good matchup. They're two good teams. Um, are either of them – you know, do I think either of them can beat Cleveland? It, no. But we have seen that, you know, if Boston, they take Golden State fits this year. Uh, they beat them in Golden – only team to beat Golden State at the O. Uh, they took them, to, I believe it was double overtime at the Garden. So I, I think Boston, you know, if, if they if they get on this run and they get that confidence from Isaiah Thomas and Evan Turner's playing at a high level, Avery Bradley's hitting his threes, this Boston team can have a shot well, to really make some noise.
1: Yeah, Avery Bradley's out for the series, right? I mean, his, his hamstring injury is going to keep him out for the rest of the series, right?
0: Um, I don't know if it's the whole series. I haven't heard that. Again, I haven't been exactly on top of it. Uh, but I know it knocked him out of the game yesterday, and that really has a lot of people worried. Uh, I mean, because if he is out for the series, that's that's, that's that's real bad news for them.
1: Yeah, I think they said he, out for
0: the he's series? probably out for the series. Yeah,
2: I think so. Who? Avery Bradley. Okay. If he's out for the series, yeah. I haven't heard that. Maybe I need to get on the game a little better. but uh. Today, Cleveland. You talked about how good Cleveland is. You know, they beat Detroit one hundred six, one hundred one. I mean, we saw Love and uh, Irving do good, and and LeBron okay. But trade? Does that concern you that, that Detroit was within five of Cleveland in the first round?
1: No, like I said, the East is a little more solid this year. Uh, Detroit's got about. They really want this series but they're playing. I mean, Cleveland's going to get a lot of good teams, best efforts. Uh, And I think LeBron knows um, that he has to save himself. I mean, obviously, this Cleveland team is probably going to end up in the finals. Um, So, I'm not concerned at this point, Harden. If they lost the game, maybe, but not
2: a win's a win. Yeah, it looks like Love's starting to play, Jonathan. If you get Irving Love and LeBron going at the same time, it's kind of like you look at OKC. If you can get Durant, Westbrook, and Ibaka going, I mean, they could be dangerous.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if you got the three-headed monster, and they're they're performing at that high level, um, then I, I think you know, you could obviously talk talk me into them being a uh, a title contender. Now it's just can these guys actually keep up with the uh, the high level of play, or is this just a one-game thing? Because we haven't really seen them put together or stretched together as as a um, as the three-headed monster that we saw from you know LeBron, Bosh, Wade when they were together. Uh, so it's it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, I, you know, I'm with Trey. I think you you're just going to see um, Detroit's going to play Cleveland incredibly tough. They did in the regular season. They're going to do it again. Detroit's not a bad team. They're they're scrappy. They're a bunch of fighters. Um, you know, and Van Gundy's a good coach uh, for 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 that. I don't think he could lead a team to a championship, but he can definitely lead them in a first round upset. So, I, I, you know, this is going to be a fun series to watch, uh, a little more fun than the Golden State-Houston one.
2: Yeah, and no, then no, another bad series, San Antonio-Memphis. Trey, San Antonio favored 17 tonight over Memphis, if that tells you anything. And we got the Clippers. Clippers going against Portland. What do you think about any kind of chance of a series happening there, Portland and the Clippers? I think the Clippers roll.
1: Yeah, I like Clippers in this series, too. I, I do think this could be interesting, but, yeah, I, I think this is the Clippers series to really play themselves out of. I, I like them a lot. Portland's one of those scrappy little teams that, that could do
2: something, but, no, and I, I think this is the Clippers series. Well, guys, I'm going to have to cut it short tonight. Uh, thank you for joining us. Sonny was going to join us, but – my wife's telling me other things tonight. I need to be doing at six oh eight or six oh three in the evening. But, but real quick, did the did the Braves lose another one today? They no, won. No, they swept the Marlins. Yeah, winning streak, baby. The Braves are on a three game winning streak, guys. They're three and nine, only six and a half behind Washington right now. So things are improving <laughs> here. <laughs> Everything's coming up, <laughs> Milhouse. Yeah, and let's see the Cubs right now nine and three in the Central, leading them leading the Cardinals by two. The Rockies, I mean, the whole West is seven and five really, just with the exception of Arizona and San Diego. Let's go to the American League West: Texas seven and six, Angels five and six. I mean, wow, that, that division surprises me a little bit. Their win loss record. It is early, but no surprise here. Kansas City leading the Central, trade eight and three. I think they have a shot to do it again. To get back to that World Series. But the Baltimore yeah. Orioles in first place in the East, Boston second, Toronto third, the Yankees fourth. And Jonathan, you were at the Tampa Bay game. Nice pitcher you took there.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it was, it was a fun game. The Rays had a little bit of a power binge, and we had excellent pitching again. It, it, the team, the pitchers have been really well this year. They're just not hitting. Yeah, I it's going to be a long year. I think they're still going to float around 500 unless they can acquire a, uh, acquire a bat and a trade to really solidify by this offense. I mean, we have two kids we can bring up, but they're kind of blocked by guys right now with Desmond Jennings and Logan Morrison. So it's, it's very interesting to see what the Rays are going to do, especially with Cobb and Snell looking like they're going to come up. How are they going to handle the rotation? And it's, this this is this, this could be a roller coaster ride for the race this year.
2: All right, well, hey, I've been asked to, to do a little segment on politics. Trey, your your opinion, real quick, on the presidential race. Who do you like <laughs> to win,
1: or who do I want to vote for? Man, I don't, I don't know. Who um, do who do you who,
2: do you, who do you think the best candidate is out there for president? Man,
1: if <laughs> I knew that. Um, you know, I think the most—I'll say this—I think the most, I'll say this, I, I, think the most uh, I guess, presidential and demeanor is Kasich. Um, so for whatever that's for. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's a, uh, what do you think, Jonathan? I mean, who do you like, and who do you think is going to win? I mean, uh, after what's coming out on Hillary and what I've known, Bernie is is trying to kill the economy. Ted Cruz is a televangelist. Donald Trump—I don't know what he is. He's trying to crash the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. I don't know. Who do you like, Don?
0: I'm uh, with Trent. I think Kasich would probably be your best bet as a actual president. Um, but I, 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 you know, it, I can't—I can't tell you who's going to be our next president at this point. It's—you know—we're—we're we're looking at you know there there's still chances of broker conventions we we don't even know what's going on with nominations hey this this whole thing this this whole reality show is just it's taking turn after turn and i, I just i'm just buckled up for the ride because this 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 one's far from over kind of can't wait for uh for first september now
2: yeah the and the momentum of Hillary shifted a ton like she was rolling and all of a sudden Trey. The Bernie train got rolling, and he is just dominating. Any chance he can win New York? I mean, if he wins New York, you better watch out because, I mean,
1: I don't, yeah, I mean, don't I think mean, he will, but, he, but wrong, if he does of he, Yeah, I mean, unless the polls are wrong, he's down by like 17 points in New York, which is, you know, which is a little odd. I know Hillary it was a senator there, but given some of her comments recently, um but you know, who knows what's gonna happen there, but I doubt it. I think I think Hillary's gonna win New York. She's up by seventeen points. This kind of stuff usually doesn't 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 show that it's wrong.
2: Yeah, and Trump's up huge in, in all the states remaining too, so he's gonna win New York in a landslide. I don't think we get to that convention, guys. I think Donald Trump takes it. I mean it's sad, but he's gonna take it. I th- I think a lot of people are upset with the way the GOP has done him, really, even though – I, and I think he lost some momentum when he quit doing debates. Every every now, every week when you could t- tune into him um, talking trash, but what really hurt him, Trey, was when he made those abortion comments and he, he posted that picture of Ted Cruz's wife. It seemed like the momentum shifted a little bit, but I think he's regained his momentum now for the rest of this campaign, I think. Pray like whatever, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I was sitting there. Um yeah,
0: I I don't
1: know man. Donald Trump is uh you know, I, I'm, a, and I, I'm an I am an optimist, and you and know, I talked about this. I see an outcome where, you know, being in my position in the military, I'll serve whoever gets elected, you know, and that will be fine. Um obviously I'd have my preferences for people who wouldn't get elected. Uh I keep I keep uh, not getting my w- my way on that one. Uh, it seems like in this primary season, but you, know, you, know, you don't you don't you
2: don't you don't want Hillary in there. You'll get blown the hell up. <laughs> well, I think that will be fine no matter who's there. We, we, the
1: military we do just fine, but uh, we can protect our own. But you know, it's one of those things that um, you know. Obviously, you know, we we serve whoever whoever's president. But I, I you know I, I see good outcomes no matter who's there because you know we have a good country and, and we always seem to make it work out. Uh, But, you know, I'd like to see a couple people not be in the
2: race. It'd be great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I'm doing my
2: taxes, man. And when when I'm looking at my tax return, and and I'm having to write a check for seven grand. I mean, like, Uh. for this government, I mean, think about this. Seven thousand. I see people getting seven thousand back. They didn't even pay a dime into the government. I just want things on an even playing field, guys. It's just it's just unfair. If You don't have children, and if you don't have twelve kids, you don't have a chance. So I mean, I just I just want a government. I want a leader that that makes taxes. And I know you can't trade I know you can't pay a flat tax on everybody. That would destroy the economy as well. You know, I mean, if, if you think about it, I, I yeah, just, yeah, I it just want whoever's going to be better better for my pocket. I know a lot of people are like, let's just do a flat tax. Everybody pay fifteen percent yeah you, you you talk about a bad economy you 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 go to hell in a handbag real quick and minimum wage the way the Democrats are pushing it and good good Lord guys, this is not a a political show we just i asked, was asked to talk about it for five or ten minutes, so funny um, <laughs> said he liked funny said he likes the socialist bernie tray and socialism leads to communism, doesn't it <laughs> Well, I mean, Um,
1: look, not not to defend or or, uh, advocate for Sunny, but uh, Bernie is not for actual socialism. I mean, for those who think that's real, it's not. Like, if you look at his plan, it's not anything like Soviet Russia or
0: socialist
2: 1930s,
1: (laughs) 40s Europe. It's nothing like that. His socialism is really more like FDR. So really when you talk about whether you want him or not, you're talking about just more government programs uh, and not actual socialism. So, I mean, you know, Sonny likes them for those reasons. That's fine. Um, there's some things that I think Ber- that uh, Bernie would do that would be great. Uh, to be honest, there's a lot of things that I think Tarvin that will never happen no matter what he wants to do if he was president, just because there's no no consensus for any of that happening. So, you know, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of good things for for him, and there's a lot of good things for others too.
2: Yeah, Son- Sonny said he is a communist. He loves he loves communism, so he's on <laughs> right, well, fair he's on Bernie. But, well, I'll tell you one thing real quick and don't tell me your thoughts. I have a problem with Bernie Sanders. You know, he doesn't make a ton of money like Clinton and Trump and all them, but he yesterday was a day or Friday, he finally turned in his two thousand did his two thousand fourteen tax and and that's my problem. Had I done that I'd had the government on me all the time, auditing me, probably seizing my house, taking money from my paycheck. I mean, if you're a presidential candidate and you can't stay current on your salary and your family combined makes less than a quarter of a million dollars trade, I, I have a problem with that part of it, that, that he didn't do his taxes until now for 2014. How are you going to lead a country? Well, you know, I have, I, to be honest, I, I have no
1: idea. I haven't really heard about why that was. So I guess I, I'm not smart enough why not to really
2: talk about it. <laughs> Okay, that's is, that's is my point of view. But here's my stance on all of them. They all suck. They they <laughs> they all are incapable of of running a country. And I'm moving to Canada. There is a Popeyes in Canada. I will be there. Trey, it's cold. Um, and I don't care. Um, it, it's cold in <laughs> Russia too. It's gonna be. It's going but, but Trey, thanks for following Popeyes the other day on on social media. That was kind of you. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting on the Air Force follow
1: buddy. Where's that
2: at? I've already, oh. I've already
0: followed
2: it. I followed it. As soon as you did that, I followed it. I followed oh, the right. Air Force. No, even it. though my vision even, even even though my vision's not good enough to be in the air force. Uh, I still followed <laughs> you, man. Uh-huh. I, uh, I I I'm, so I'm, you. Could, I'm more you, of a I'm more of a fight it. on the ground kind of guy. I'm more of a a fight, stab, shoot on the ground kind of guy than dropping bombs. <laughs> You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes it takes all kinds, man. <laughs> well guys, um have a great week and Sonny Twark is gonna do a show. We we're we're talking about Thursday night. You know how we've done the draft show for the last few years, Trey and Jonathan. Yes. Yeah. Um uh, mm-hmm. if y'all are interested, we're doing a show and we're either gonna do a combined show with Sonny, like a joint show on way in sports and um and that being said, together or we're going to do it on his. Are y'all interested in doing a draft show? Yeah, that sounds good. Always. All right. All right. I'll get with Sonny, and we'll get the details. But but this is this is a fun time. And uh, Sonny just sent me a message, and so he's fired up about the draft. He's on a train, or he he would talk right now. He's he's coming from a Bernie Sanders convention, so uh, so he'll be with right, <laughs> he'll be with us. All right, guys, y'all have a great week, and thanks for everything, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you, Sounds good. See you all.